and thanks for coming back to the Saving Delaware History Podcast. I'm your host, Madeline Messer, and this week we're continuing our discussion of the State Historic Preservation Office with Jim Ellison, the two-term chair of the State Historic Review Board. Welcome to the podcast. Can you explain to our listeners what the State Historic Review Board is? The Review Board uh, basically has the responsibility under the State Historic Preservation Officer to review all of the applications or nominations that come to the board for consideration for listing on the National Register. And uh, so it's, it's quite a responsibility. My understanding is that every state has this. Um, and uh, uh, Tim Slavin in, in the state of Delaware is in fact the state historic preservation officer. And it is his staff that essentially runs this whole operation very, very effectively, I will say. Uh, And those of us who serve on the board are basically a combination of public members and professional members, uh, many of of whom are very deeply involved in the historic preservation matters uh, all over the state of Delaware. So it's, it's quite a group. Do you guys volunteer or are you a part of that staff? We are not a part of the staff. We are volunteers. Uh, In my case, uh, I'm an architect, uh, but I have not really been all that deeply involved in historic preservation concerns here in the state of Delaware. Uh, My wife and I had our careers up in Washington, D.C., and so this has all been a little new to me, but I have been very active in a wonderful organization here in Rehoboth Beach, uh, which is the uh, Rehoboth Art League, uh, which is well over 80 years old and has a historic campus. And it was through our uh, connecting with Tim Slavin uh, over matters of of our historic campus that in fact, Tim inquired if I would uh, be so kind as to serve on this board. And I looked at it and agreed to, and uh, it's been an unbelievably rewarding and informative process, I'll tell you that. But that's how I got involved in it. What's sort of the daily work that's involved with being on this board? It's, it's actually very, very easy. Uh, we, we meet typically only three times a year, and that is only when there are uh, applications that have gone through uh, a very rigorous process uh, by Tim Slavin and his staff to make sure that they are top-notch and ready for our, for our consideration. So our meetings are basically uh, all about, uh, you know, reviewing, uh, hearing presentations by those who have put the applications together and then voting uh, to approve them or send them back. Um, And I would say in almost every single case, because of the wonderful work that has been done by the staff and those who have put the applications together or the nominations, I should say, uh, our job is really quite easy. And by and large, these expert members of the board Uh, offer usually just very positive suggestions on improving this or that 
with these nominations. So for us, it's it's really quite a quite an easy process. Am I correct in saying that a set will be nominated, reviewed by Delaware Historical Culture First, and then it makes it to you? Then it is it is basically sent on to uh, the National Park Service for further consideration. If we if we have in fact approved it, uh, it goes there, and then uh, hopefully down the line, uh, their further review process will see you know the particular nomination on through to approval. So what are sort of your considerations after you get the site into your hands? What's your checklist to make sure you can approve it and send it down to DC? Well, the, the rules that are put out uh, fundamentally by the National Park Service are extremely rigorous. In fact, even the format and the nature of the proposals uh, or the nominations are very rigorously stated. Uh, so there's that whole process of following those guidelines. And uh, again, by the time that we see uh, the results of all of that effort, they're all basically in, in very good condition and ready for us to consider for final state approval before it goes on. What sites are you currently reviewing? Well, we, I, I don't know exactly what they are at this moment. I know that uh, there are two or three uh, that are, you know, being finalized. We had a meeting, in fact, that we had uh, early on scheduled for later this month, and that is postponed simply because, you know, the, uh, the uh, nominations are not quite in final form yet. So I think we're, we're putting it off a few more months before we consider these. Our, the wonderful woman and expert who runs all of this also has the name Madeline Dunn, uh, and she is the state coordinator of, of all of this. And she always keeps a running list of projects that are, that are on their way forward to us. But I, I don't have that right at the moment. It's been quite a while. We were meeting during COVID. We did have a couple of, of uh, uh, virtual meetings. Um, and I don't know whether that will still be the case or whether we'll be meeting for real uh, up in Dover when we do have our next meeting. Yeah, we've talked to Madeline a little bit and a few episodes ago about the National Register, which I think ties into your work a little bit. But I did want to ask, you said that you're going to postpone your meeting a few months. What exactly is it that a site would do in those months to get ready? They would fine tune the nomination. I would suspect that the staff and others who might have reviewed it prior to the board actually reviewing it would make some recommendations um, on how they could improve, you know, the entire very strict format that they have to follow. So that I'm, I'm sure that it's just all a matter of fine tuning and making sure that they have, you know, the maximum uh, information available and written up uh, in the nomination that will, you know, put the project or the, uh, the site uh, in the best possible light, both for us and then eventually uh, for the National Park Service. When you're in these meetings reviewing nominations, what does the actual meeting look like? Well, in addition to you know other 
uh, business items that we might have. Uh, when it comes to a nomination, we always have a, uh, a slide presentation by someone uh, representing, you know, the, the particular nomination. And uh, we go through all of that, and then it, it is opened up for the board to make comments uh, or suggestions or very strong recommendations. Uh, and then in the end, we take a vote on whether we approve it or not. About how many members are there? And how do you come to a consensus about the nomination? Well, I think I think we have currently ten on the on the board, and again, as I mentioned, it's a, there are some public members, there are professional members, and and those who are really actively, you know, involved, who are professionals as well, of course, involved in uh, state matters. We have individuals who uh, are preservation officers in some of the large cities, and and so on. Uh, University of Delaware. Uh, and so forth. One of the interesting thing is that uh, we do have a group that is called CHAD. We call it CHAD, but it actually is the Center for Historic Architecture and Design at the University of Delaware. And uh, that group is just astonishingly uh, wonderful at putting these nominations together. They've done many of them. And uh, whenever we see one of those come forward, we're pretty assured that uh, uh, they're going to be top notch. It's what they do. And uh, it's really quite a marvelous organization. When you're in these meetings reviewing nominations, what does the actual meeting look like? Well, of course, uh, it, there's a cost associated with them performing you know, the, the documentation services that they do and the investigations. You know, I, I presume, but I don't really know this, uh, whether, you know, this is undoubtedly considered a fairly important part of the University of Delaware's total program, uh, but also, you know, they do have funding support associated with the projects or the, you know, proposals that are put forward. Now, I don't know whether that covers all of their costs or not. You'd, you'd probably have to ask somebody from Chad to speak about that. But all I can say is from, the, from our board's perspective, uh, they just do a tremendously fine job uh, with all of the documentation. Um, and it's just, uh, they're, they're always terrific. And one of the things is, uh, as an individual, even though I'm an architect, as I say, I'm not really deeply involved in the state activities, such as some of the other members of the board are. But it, it has been just remarkable for me to explore uh, a lot of the projects that have come through us to learn so much more about old, you know, single room classrooms that are still intact. Um, you know, it, it just goes on and on. Uh, so it's a, it's a wonderful learning opportunity, at least for someone like me to be involved in this process. What would you say is the hardest part of serving on this review board, especially as the chair? Well, uh, just serving as the chair is, uh, you know, making sure that everyone is heard around the table, whether it be on Zoom or, you know, virtual or whether we're sitting around the table and to make sure that we follow a normal order uh, to 
allow for the questions and the answers and the discussion of each one of these nominations after they have been uh, you know, presented to us. Other than that, though, again, uh, Madeline Dunn and her fellow associates there uh, in the office are the ones who really do all of this preparatory work. And in fact, even for a chair, uh, Madeline has you know, pretty much written out everything I need to say and go through. So it, it's, it's well handled. And so it, it's actually quite easy for us. Yeah, she really is wonderful. Uh, do you mind if we go a little bit into how you kind of rose to chair and how you get other people to participate on the board? Well, again, the business of, of uh, putting people on the board is the responsibility of Tim Slavin. Uh, and, and so he is the one who probably always has his eye out for individuals who, whom he might uh, you know, ask to, to serve on the board. Uh, it does rotate, so uh, you know, it's probably a continuing concern for him. Again, because this, you know, the, the job per se is, does not really involve a lot of work. Um, it's, it's been very easy thanks to Madeline Dunn and others who, you know, do all the preparation work so, so completely and so thoroughly. Wonderful. I was just kind of wondering whether you had a favorite nomination or a site that you've actually approved. There are so many that I could discuss. As an architect, there was a, a wonderful residence that was designed by, not by Frank Lloyd Wright, but one of his uh, disciples uh, that we approved. We even approved, and I, this just came up the other day with some friends who had stopped by what used to be an old Dairy Queen. You know, the old traditional design with the tall sign, you know, with the cone hanging out over the street. And in fact, it, this building is historic. It's no longer a Dairy Queen. It's actually called a Dairy Palace. And I think it's because the owners who still own it, they owned it when it was a Dairy Queen and they still run it. They had some problems with what uh, Dairy Queen per se, the franchisee was doing. So they got out of, of uh, Dairy Queen and set up their own Dairy Palace. And it's still in business, but the building still uh, is, is recognizable and treatable as, you know, a historic building because it's, it's very much just the same as it was when it was a Dairy Queen. So, you know, we have everything from that scale uh, to, to much larger structures and many of them tie into, uh, you know, some of the uh, social dynamics, let's say, uh, you know, in Wilmington and so on. So there, there's just a lot going on there. So there are just so many. I've given you just a couple, but, uh, uh, and again, I, I did mention we've had several of these small, single schoolroom buildings that are historic. We, we had... Uh, downtown theater, uh, and it just goes on and on. There, there are so many of them around the state, and they just keep surfacing and, and coming to us. So we're very pleased. 
Has the board ever had a disagreement over any particular nomination and what would you do in those cases? Not to my memory. Uh, we have had positive suggestions. Uh, we may have had, you know, some concern about, you know, the way in which it was described. Again, these are very, very tight requirements. Uh, but we've always been able to work those out. And usually Madeline is right on top of it to say, well, I understand what you're saying, but this is kind of, you know, where we all felt that it was appropriate. And uh, we've been able to get through those. They don't ever turn into arguments. Uh, we're all just simply trying to do our best to honor these uh, terrific, terrific uh, uh, projects, if you will, or nominations. Other than the chat, as you mentioned, at University of Delaware, who else nominates sites? Well, Madeline will, will always tell you, we have one here in Rehoboth Beach that some folks are considering, which is our old funhouse on the boardwalk. And she always says, you know, keep in mind that my office is not going to do all the work for you. You or, or someone that you hire is going to have to actually do all the uh, very involved work of looking, you know, at a, at a structure or a building from the historical perspective and uh, cultural perspective and dig deeply into all the materials and uh, put it all together in that very, you know, set format. Uh, so uh, many of these projects are initiated by the individuals who feel that they are justified in working on their project and seeing if they can get it listed. Of course, there are some tax benefits to, you know, some businesses and so forth, uh, if, if they can follow through and, and make all this happen. Uh, but it really takes dedicated people who uh, recognize the value and, and work toward, uh, you know, getting this realization on, on through uh, to the National Park Service. Uh, did these sites get a designation as a National Historic Site? They can, yes, uh -huh, at, at the end of that. And, and then the tax credits come along with that. And again, I'm not necessarily the greatest expert on those. Uh, Madeline herself, of course, understands all of that and some of her colleagues there in the office. But that certainly can be an incentive. But uh, a lot of times it's just people looking at the historic value and cultural value of these resources and saying, you know, we should do something about this. That's like what the couple of people are interested in Funland here. Uh, that's what they're thinking about. You know, it's been on the boardwalk for a very, very long time. And in fact, some of the owners or those who manage something such as a fun land initially start the process by saying, well, that sounds good, but what are the limitations that end up being put on me? And, you know, you sort of have to dip into to those kinds of questions too. So limitations like how they can use the building, what they can install, that kind of thing? What changes they could make and so forth. Yes, if they're going to have that designation, you know, it in some cases does create some restrictions. 
I guess my last question is how can everyday citizens get involved either through the nomination process or meetings? The meetings are open. Uh, typically, though, we, we only have, you know, individuals who are deeply involved in the particular projects or nominations that are coming before us. But my understanding is that there is no reason that, you know, just any individual who is interested could not participate in those meetings. And hopefully, you know, my participation has, has helped the state to, you know, do what uh, they consider is important. Well, listeners, there you go. If you want to see the State Historic Review Board in action, you can drop by a meeting and learn about historic sites near you. Mr. Ellison, thank you for your time.